Islam is the world's second largest religion with 1.9 billion followers or 24.9% of the population. Muslims make up the majority of the population in 94 countries around the world. They consider the Quran in Arabic to be unaltered and the final revelation of God. In other words, they believe in verbal inspiration, where every word of the Quran in Arabic was dictated to by God to Muhammad. Now, I have an English version of the Quran in my library, but that's considered inferior because it's not in Arabic. The Quran has instruction for virtually every aspect of life, from banking to welfare to women and the environment. One of the implications of verbal inspiration is that it locks you into very specific practices and beliefs, which over time can be quite different to the prevailing culture and circumstances in which you live and find yourself. For example, the process of thorough and very prescribed washing prior to entering the mosque, when in our modern society, People generally follow good hygiene practices and shower at least once a day, hopefully. But what were the circumstances when Muhammad was writing the Quran? A semi-nomadic group of people living in the desert, in a harsh, unforgiving, dry and dusty environment, without running water. In the same way, for Bible-believing Christians, we no longer follow many of the practices and cultural rules spelt out in the books of Numbers and Leviticus because they were given to the Israelites for a specific cultural and environmental situation. Has God given the Christian church a message for the world? Hear me carefully. The Christian church... The Apostles' Creed, you may have heard about it. So this was put together around about the 4th century uh, and has gone through a number of different versions since then. Notice what it says, I believe in God the Father, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Oh, we'll go back, sorry. No, I've pressed the wrong button. Sorry, Sven. Okay, thanks, man. All right. Um, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, and he descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, read universal, which is what Catholic means, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. How would you summarize that statement? It's a message of hope, a message of peace, 
It's got love in there, salvation, creation is in there, judgment, the second coming, heaven and eternal life. Along with many other Christian denominations, we believe the Bible teaches all of those things, right? Not a problem with any of that that's there. But here's the next question. Has the Adventist Christian church been given a mission that builds on this creed to include additional messages? Give me a couple of uh, suggestions. The three angels, yep. Sorry. Gospel to the world, yep. Sanctuary. Sabbath. I would add the great controversy theme. Health message. End time warning. How relevant are all of these messages? People need to know that they are not accidents. The results of random mutations have hazardly evolved from some primordial swamp. No, every human being is made in the image of God, unique, individual, valued, loved. How relevant is that message? The health message. Some would argue the Adventist church is maybe slipping a little bit behind, but we still have very much to offer in that space. The Sabbath. How relevant is the Sabbath? It's probably more relevant now than at any other point in human history. With busyness and stress and anxiety and depression and all of those things. It's not going to cure all of those things. But it certainly um, adds to our... Uh, our, um, our overall health, our, our way of life, the great controversy theme, and so we could go on. These themes can be traced from the beginning of the Bible right through to the end. Yes, they're more explicit in some areas of the Bible than others, but take health, for example. You find it in the Garden of Eden, right through to heaven, and the Sabbath, the great controversy theme, and so we could go on. It isn't it's no wonder that John in Revelation 14:12 calls it the what gospel? Everlasting gospel. Malachi 3:6, you know the verses, I am the Lord, I change not. And here is where we, prob- we part company with our Muslim brothers and sisters. Because while the message has not changed, the context and the way it is packaged and applied according to the Bible, has. I grew up in a very traditional, conservative Adventist home in Adelaide in South Australia. There were lots of rules about how to keep the Sabbath when I grew up as a child. The rubbish, the food scraps from the kitchen had to be taken out into the garden and buried before Sabbath. Shoes had to be taken to the laundry and polished, ready for Sabbath morning. All of the cooking done for Friday night and Sabbath lunch and baths. Yes, this was before we had a shower. All of us kids had to have a bath, including mum and dad, before the Sabbath hours came in. Now I have a shower every Sabbath morning during Sabbath hours. 
So who was right and who was wrong? Let me share with you a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul writes this, Woe is me if I do not preach what? the gospel. And then he goes on in verse 17. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will I have been entrusted with a stewardship, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not, ab- that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant, Glenn talked about that, to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul, it seems to me, adapts to his environment and reflects the culture in which he is so that he can reach those in that environment. I don't need to tell you that the culture here in Australia is rapidly changing. Just look at the impact of social media in the last 10 10 years or so. Increasing secularisation, consumerism, negative attitude towards organised religion. The message has not changed, but the package must, so that we can relate to and reach people in our communities. Let me just finish with this. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Easy? No. Sometimes we look at the crowds in the shopping centres, at the sporting events, in the nightclubs, in our large cities and and wonder how on earth are we going to reach these people. Very quick illustration. I had a meal at a um, hotel at Wall's End. Um, I I was between appointments. I hadn't had dinner, so I thought I'd drop in and have a meal. Um, it's a fairly working-class environment, and um, just sitting there, um, eating my dinner, looking at all of these people, all sorts of different backgrounds and tattoos and working-class people and stuff like that, and I thought, they're not going to walk into a traditional Adventist church very easily. How do we share the gospel with people like this? How do we do it? And I've got to be truthful with you. I don't know all of the answers. But as, um, as Glenn was talking and talking about vision, and I'll finish with this, Leah, I promise. One of the things that's um, had driven me in my ministry, um, and this is a um, quote from Ellen White, uh, Christ Object Lessons, page 196. And this is part of our mission, a uh, part of our vision 
part of our vision. The value of a soul. Who can estimate, she writes. Would you know it's worth? Go to Gethsemane and there watch with Christ through those hours of anguish when he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Look upon the Saviour uplifted on the cross. Hear that despairing cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look upon the wounded hand, the pierced side, the marred feet. Remember that Christ risked all for our redemption, heaven itself was imperiled. At the foot of the cross, remembering that for one sinner, Christ would have laid down his life. You may estimate the value of a soul.